On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we start a brand new conference. That's right, we're heading to the AFC East, and I'm going to kick us off this fine Monday with the New York Jets. Ugh, the Jets. I know. But trust me, we have some real good information coming out of this episode you won't want to miss. I have two absolute sleepers and gems to help you get over that fantasy football hump. Which running back has the most potential to break away from this dull pack? And did you like what you saw from Justin Jefferson this year? Because I may have located that person. So let's not waste any more time on this intro and let's get to it. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Monday, July 12th, and I am your host, Anthony Germain. You can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Sunday, all one word, on Twitter. And it is officially mocking season. Yes, get those mock boards out, up and running. Get as many in as you can in your free time, any spare time you have. Get a mock in. Get those repetitions in. Get that practice in. The more you know, the better you'll be. Get a firm understanding of where these players are coming off the board. Don't let anybody tell you it's too early to start thinking about football. Don't let anybody make fun of you, jabbing you, busting your chops. Get those people out of here. Here on Fantasy NFL Today, we start mocking early. In fact, my first mock was back in May, two months ago. I need everybody listening to this show to start mocking now if you haven't start mocking now get in there get your hands dirty all right enough of that so we have a good show for you today in our second week here on fantasy nfl today presented by hoopball if you missed last week's episodes we started in the afc north covered a lot of interesting things in there a lot of good players to go get a lot of good players to avoid so if you missed any of those episodes make sure you check it out but for this week we have to start a new division. And we're going to go right on over to the AFC East. Yes, the East. The nasty corridor up there. It's cold and everybody's miserable. and blah. But I want to start today's show with what I think is the most interesting team in the AFC East. Most interesting team in the real world. And most interesting team in our world, the fantasy world. And that team is the New York Jets. Ah, gross. The Jets. Yuck. My God, they haven't been relevant for how long? And in the fantasy world, they've been terrible for the last two years. Absolutely terrible. Nobody wants to touch these Jets with a 10-foot pole. No one. I mean, who who contributed from the Jets? Maybe outside Jamison Crowder. Who contributed from the Jets the last two seasons? Yeah, sure, you got your Ty Johnson filler or you know, Frank Gore, but these guys are nothing. What do those guys mean? I'm getting sick just thinking about it. But there's good news. Good news going forward. Good things on the horizons for the Jets. Getting ready for takeoff. Shoot the thrusters. Because the ownership finally is doing something to turn this thing around. They blew it up. They blew the whole goddamn thing up from top to bottom. Brand new coaching staff. Brand new offensive roster. Because that's what's most important to us here, right? On this podcast, the roster, offensive roster. And I actually have a feeling that by the time this season's over, 
and we start heading into the 2022 season, this time of year, next year, this New York Jets team is going to be the talk of the town. There's always one team every year. Last year was the Arizona Cardinals. Everyone gets real excited. Oh my God, DeAndre Hopkins is a Cardinal. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Pump the brakes. But I think we're going to see a lot of of neat things with this team coming up here. And as we enter the next season, the Jets, go get your Jets players. They're the team. And I'll be saying pump the brakes. But that's what's going to happen. And why do I think that? Well, it all starts with the exile of Adam Gase. I think it's easy and obvious to blame Gase for the Jets' failure in the, in the past here. But, you know, if you take a deeper dive into it, look at some of the players he had on his team, the ones that succeeded, the ones that failed, and really ask yourself, was it all, was it all Gase? And I'm not an Adam Gase apologist here. Not at all. I hate him just as much as you do. He's kind of a curmudgeon, jerk. I don't even think the players like him in the locker room. That people were trying to get him fired. Terrible. But look at guys like J.J. One good season under Gase. Actually, it wasn't even the season. It was two or three games where he ran for over 200 yards, and that you know looks good at the end of the year. But look at J.J. Flamed out fast. Even when he went to the Eagles during that Super Bowl run, he wasn't the guy. They tried to make him the guy. He wasn't the guy. Guy was LeGarrette Blunt. Kenyon Drake, same thing. Showed flashes as a Dolphin. Went on to Arizona. Everybody thought he was going to be so good. Oh, my God, he got away from Adam Gase. So good. Still doing the same thing. Has a flash here and there. Good game here. Good game there. Meh. Rest of the year. Meh. Frank Gore, older than dirt. Le'Veon Bell, took a year off. Got out of Pittsburgh. Clearly benefited from that offense. Didn't do anything as a Jet. And I think it's pretty clear now that, that it wasn't just Adam Gase. He went to Kansas City. Andy Reid. Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't succeed there. Andy Reid has had running backs like Brian Westbrook. Running backs like Shady McCoy. He couldn't fix Le'Veon Bell. Take a look at the players that have thrived. Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry had two seasons under Adam Gase where he had over 100 receptions. Two separate seasons. Landry goes to the Browns. Still killing it. Not getting 100 receptions a game, but still a very reliable, dependable, really good receiver for the Browns. Jamison Crowder comes over from Washington, still produced under an Adam Gase offense. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson had a really good year under Adam Gase. Goes to Carolina, still killing it. So is it a question of Adam Gase's offense? Sure. Predictable. Not that great. I mean, the guy made his chops by, you know, being the offensive coordinator under Peyton Manning. I'd probably get a head coaching job if that was me, too. But is it all Adam Gase? Because I'm seeing some talented players on this list that I just rattled off to you that are still pretty talented. And everybody else, Devontae Parker, one good season once Gase left. Look how bad he regressed last year. Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, Brashad Perriman, Albert Wilson, Braxton Berrios. I mean, come on. But anyway, out with Adam Gase, in with new head coach, Robert Sala. Whoa, <laughs> Robert Sala. Gotta love this guy. This guy's got high energy, loved by the players. Flexing on the sideline, screaming, fun. Everything looks fun with this guy. But he's a defensive guy, and that doesn't really help us much in the fantasy world, does it? 
So where should our main focus be when talking about our fantasy rosters? Well, they brought over Mike LaFleur, who was also from San Francisco. He served as the offensive coordinator under Kyle Shanahan. Now everybody knows Kyle Shanahan runs that offense, but there's still something to be had with being the offensive coordinator under Kyle Shanahan. I have to assume that he's learned a lot. So Mike LaFleur is the brother, if you haven't caught on, of Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur, and he falls from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree, where he spent time with the Cleveland Browns, Atlanta Falcons, and most recently, again, the San Francisco 49ers. So why is that interesting? Because now this offense is going from a stagnant, stale Adam Gase scheme to possibly a high-powered offense that's predicated off the run. Very run-heavy offense. And this should all be music to fantasy players' ears. And here's the beautiful thing about it all. The first jet coming off fantasy draft boards isn't coming off the board until round nine. Round nine. Think about that. You're not winning your fantasy drafts in rounds one, two, or three. Where your draft is one is in the later rounds. Rounds eight, nine, and ten. And I have gone through this entire roster and have been able to pinpoint a few players that we're going to grab right around this right around this area and these guys again have incredible value and these are the guys that are going to get you over that hump they're going to get you into the playoffs they're going to let you go on that deep playoff run and give you a shot at that super bowl title that championship so you can bring home that trophy and brag to all your friends for at least a couple months before we do this all over again So what does the Jets 2021 fantasy forecast look like and where can you find these real steals that are being overlooked? Well, for starters, I'm going to hit you with a big one right off the bat. We're not going to start with the quarterback and go down in order, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to come out hot here and I'm going to start you here with a good one. And that's rookie running back Michael Carter out of UNC, Tar Heel. He had a phenomenal season as a one-two punch with other running back you may have heard of, Javante Williams, who went earlier in the draft, also out of UNC, obviously. Carter ran for over 1,000 yards in each of his last two seasons and was ranked pretty high in Pro Football Focus's grading system. He has elite stop and start ability and runs much harder than you think for his size. I think he's only coming in around 5'8", but he's thick, and he weighs around 200 pounds, and he has phenomenal, phenomenal hands. So he should be the Jets' primary receiving back coming out of that backfield and even running routes, and he should be able to create nice separations amongst the linebackers at the NFL level. Phenomenal value. Absolutely phenomenal value for a running back that you can get late and can really help your team down the stretch as his usage continues to go up. Remember, if you're following my system and you're going robust running back, This is exactly the type of running back you're looking for. You're either looking for a guy that is guaranteed to get the volume and workload that can produce at an RB1 level, or you're looking for that guy that has the potential to take over the workload later in the season. Remember, the Jets will be deploying a run-heavy style offense like we see with the 49ers, like we see with the Rams. The offense will be predicated off that run, and the opportunity for him to blossom will be immense. Immense. This is the guy you want to own. Tevin Coleman is another running back on this roster that might have a little bit of fantasy value, but not much as his current ADP sits as a mid 15th round pick. He'll be opening the season as of now, July 12th. He's opening the season as the Jets starting running back. 
But how long will that last with the rookie young buck in the wing waiting, waiting for his opportunity to show what he's what he's capable of, capable of? And boy, let me tell you, he is capable. So just keep in mind, if you plan on drafting a Tevin Coleman late and, you know, it's not a it's not a bad it's not a bad idea since he'll, he will be the starter. But the longer the season goes on, he'll probably lose value the more opportunity Carter gets. So Coleman in your lineup early in the season might get you off to a fast start. Just don't expect that to keep up. Think of him more as a rental, someone you'll use for a short period of time and then dump. And for a 15th round pick, I'm certainly okay with that. Another sleeper on this team that's gaining more and more traction the closer we get to our drafts, guys, is rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. Phenomenal, phenomenal player. In fact, I like him way more than the running back I just talked about, Michael Carter. Does DK Metcalf and AJ Brown ring a bell? I'm not saying he's that type of player. He's not a DK Metcalf and he's not an AJ Brown. But these are the products that Ole Miss has been putting out lately. And sometimes that's something to take into consideration. Certain universities put out certain positions that tend to succeed in the NFL. For the longest time ever, Penn State was nicknamed Linebacker University. I mean, just look at Alabama. How many years in a row now does Alabama consistently put out stud running backs that succeed at the NFL level? All I'm saying here is that Ole Miss is now beginning to start a trend with these wide receivers and Elijah Moore is the next best thing to come out. This dude is a mean mamma jamma and has some serious, serious game. And anyone that follows me knows that I'm not the biggest fan when it comes to the shorter, speedier wide receivers in the NFL, at least from a fantasy perspective. In real life, on the field, they're great. They take the top off the defense and help open up the game underneath. But for fantasy, a lot of them are boom or bust. And as I discussed on multiple episodes now, I don't do boom or bust in redraft leagues. But this guy's different. This guy is special. He's coming in at five foot nine, only 180 pounds with an NFL comp to Tyler Lockett. But when I watch this guy play, I really think he's that rare, shorter wide receiver that everyone will one day be using as the comparison like they do for a Tyreek Hill. You know, when you're watching the Combine or the NFL Draft, and they always compare any receiver that's under six foot to Tyreek Hill. It's just ridiculous. Tyreek Hill is a once in a generational player for his size and his speed. But what I'm saying here is that Elijah Moore has that potential to draw comparisons down the line. He's going to be that good. And what he really reminds me of is not Tyler Lockett, but more of Antonio Brown. That's my expectations for Elijah Moore. Maybe not right away, but that's how special I think he can be. He's tough as nails, really took some shots at the college level, and still held on to the ball that a lot of receivers probably would have dropped. In fact, he only had two drops in his final year with the Rebels and only 10 dropped balls on 200 catchable passes during his college career. Just an absolute phenomenal prospect. And on top of that, he has the blessing of A.J. Brown. Like I said, he's a product of Ole Miss and actually played together with A.J. Brown. I don't know if you guys have seen that video on YouTube on draft night, 
But when Elijah Moore was drafted, he was hanging out in the back room with A.J. Brown, who got very emotional and gave him this big, epic speech about how proud he was and, and all that stuff. It just really hit home. Coming from an elite player like A.J. Brown to be that emotional over Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore, doesn't that say something? Doesn't that mean something? He obviously believes in this kid. So again, this is my favorite player on the Jets going into this season. He's a must-have on your team. And the beautiful thing, as it is right now, his current ADP sits as a late 12th round pick. I mean, this could possibly be the steal of the draft. This is last year's Justin Jefferson. I'm expecting a huge year out of Moore. This is the guy you need to have, and his value is currently off the charts. So star him in every single league you're in, add him to your watch list, and don't take him out of your sights. All right, some other wide receivers to look at on the Jets is wide receiver Corey Davis, who they brought over in free agency after having his best career as a pro on the Titans. His current ADP is sitting as an early ninth round pick. He's coming off the board as the Jets' first fantasy player and mainly because of his familiarity with fantasy players. Everybody kind of knows who Corey Davis is. He entered the league back as a top prospect in 2017, but he never really hit his full potential of what he was meant to be. Last year, he caught 65 catches, came in just under 1,000 yards with 984, and only nabbed about five touchdowns. And that was in a contract year. So I think we've seen all we needed to see with Corey Davis, right? I think he's hit his ceiling. He's had prime opportunity to really take over as the number one wide receiver last year when A.J. Brown went down with an injury and missed a few games. And he still failed to eclipse 1,000 yards in any season during his career. So at this point, after four seasons in the NFL, we've seen it all. We've pretty much seen what he's capable of at this level. And I really don't see him breaking forward. Now, it's possible he could have an off year and have a monster season. But consistently, and especially this year with a whole new coaching staff and new system, I'm not really expecting him to do much more than what we've seen already. So that's just something to keep in mind if you plan on owning him on any of your fantasy teams. You can expect probably under or right around 1,000 yards with single-digit touchdowns. I'm certainly not going out of my way to pick up Davis when guys like Debo Samuel or Michael Pittman are hanging around that area of the draft. I think he's serviceable. I do think he's serviceable, but certainly not someone that's going to win you your league. Jamison Crowder is another option at wide receiver for the Jets with a current ADP as a mid-15th round pick. Now, I view Crowder as a poor man's Jarvis Landry. He was once a sneaky PPR machine, but serves more as a really good receiver for the Jets in real life. He'll go out there and pick up those tough yards that they need for a first down. He's going to be their most reliable receiver when they need to move the chains and keep drives alive. Like Jarvis, he'll most likely get you a consistent seven to nine points a week if you need a fill-in, but not someone you're typically looking to start on a week-to-week -week basis. So out of all these receivers, 
you really want to target Elijah Moore again. I would even say reach for him if you have to. I love this guy so much that I'm probably going to absolutely reach for him come draft night. If he hasn't climbed up the boards by then, which I'm fully expecting to happen. He's too good of a prospect to pass up, even with the current quarterback situation in New York. Which is the perfect lead-in to talk about who the quarterback is for the New York Jets. And who I think actually has potential to be this year's Justin Herbert. And that's quarterback Zach Wilson, who the Jets drafted with the number two overall pick in the first round of this year's draft. He kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't really talked about, you know, two years ago when Trevor Lawrence was killing it in the league or Justin Fields was killing it in at the college level or Tua Tungavailoa even, you know, the whole tank for Tua. We didn't hear much about Zach Wilson. Nobody knew who Zach Wilson was outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. But there he was. He completed 72.7% of his passes for 3,694 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, and three interceptions in a condensed COVID season. Some may call him a one-year wonder, and we've seen that from time to time. Just last year, look at Joe Burrow. Did the same exact thing. He had a mediocre previous year with LSU, wasn't touted or talked about by anybody, until his final year there when they went on that championship run and he shattered records. And yeah, Zach Wilson played in a weak conference with a weak schedule. I think they only played two ranked teams and lost to one of them being Coastal Carolina. But he has everything you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. The way the guy works the pocket and buys time to get himself out of high-pressured situations is just off the charts. His release is amazing. There's no big wind-up in his arm. It's just a simple flick of the wrist, and the ball just seems to come out so clean and so effortlessly, with pinpoint accuracy, too. And the crazy part is, he has the ability to make these throws without even setting his feet. He'll be running to the right, kind of do a little bunny hop step, and then just throw across his body with the flick of a wrist, and that ball will go 40-50 yards downfield, pinpoint accuracy, hit his wide receiver right in stride. I mean, real fluid stuff. Everything is just so smooth about his game. But even though I think he has potential to hit that Justin Herbert status of last year, where does his fantasy value lie? Because his current ADP is sitting as a mid-14th round pick. And again, as I say these rounds, I'm always talking standard or half-point PPR leagues in a 12-man league. So he's sitting as a mid-14th round pick meaning he's being taken on most teams as their QB2, and that's exactly where he should be unless he goes out and pulls a Dak Prescott in the preseason. If you remember Dak Prescott's rookie season, Prescott absolutely tore it up during the preseason when Tony Romo went down with a back injury. Now, Wilson doesn't really have anybody to compete with. He's pretty much locked in as the Jets' day one starter. But what I'm saying is if Wilson goes out during the preseason and is just dropping bombs on everybody and it looks real easy, real simple for him, then he's going to shoot up fantasy boards. No doubt about it. But I'm still not willing to take him as a quarterback one because I think it's still extremely risky. He's most likely not going to be put in enough situations where he'll be throwing the ball enough to consistently give you the points you'll need at your quarterback one position. Remember, the offense is now being run by Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike LaFleur, and it's most likely going to be a run-heavy offense. He's going to be asked to do just enough, but should excel considering his natural raw talents. If you follow my strategy, my draft strategy, 
you should already have a strong quarterback one by the t- by the end of the fifth round. So someone like Zach Wilson is a great stash on your bench as a quarterback two. It's almost like a wait and see type approach, hoping that he blossoms into what Justin Herbert became last season. So if you went out and you got yourself a Lamar Jackson, you can now draft Zach Wilson, keep him on your bench, plug him in for a bye week, and just wait and see what he turns out to be. Because if he ends up being great, now you're in a great situation where you can decide on a week-to-week basis based off matchup opportunity who to start. I do think by the time it's all said and done, and this is a hot take here, might be my first real hot take on this fabulous podcast, Fantasy NFL Today presented by Hoopball. I do think by the time all of this is said and done, Zach Wilson will have an overall better career than Trevor Lawrence. You heard that right. Zach Wilson will have a better overall career than Trevor Lawrence. And I like Trevor Lawrence. Nothing wrong with Trevor Lawrence at all. I just think he's been pampered his whole life. He's never really had to face a lot of adversity. He's never really had to come back and win games in tough games. Or win in tough games. And there's already been reports out that football is not his main concern in his life. And that's fine. It doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be psychomatic about it like Tom Brady. But the fact that he is as young as he is, and these reports are already coming out, it's a little worrisome. It's a little worrisome. All right, so last, we have to take a quick look at this tight end group. Ugh. Woof. All tight ends on this Jets roster are currently going undrafted, and rightfully so. Year in and year out, we've been hearing much and much and much about the potential of Chris Herndon. You've heard it. I know you have. We have all heard it. And he just simply hasn't ever panned out to much of anything. But here's the interesting thing to look at. New offensive coordinator Michael Floor comes in again from that Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and his brother Matt LaFleur style of offense. And we've seen tight ends flourish out of those camps. Although McVay doesn't utilize a star tight end, we have seen Everett and Higby have their days in LA. Last season, we've seen tight end Robert Tanya burst onto the scene in Green Bay, and he actually finished at the third overall tight end just behind Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, and ahead of Mark Andrews in Baltimore. And obviously, we've all seen what George Kittle is and has become with the San Francisco 49ers. So there is a realistic possibility that we see somebody come out of this Jets tight end group and make a name for themselves. And the two I'm seeing as the front runners to come out and do that are, again, Chris Herndon because of his natural raw athleticism or just because of reports coming out of camp. And, you know, you can't really take those two seriously would be Tyler Croft, who has been reported to be the front runner to land the job. So it's certainly... Something to watch with an extreme close eye. So we're not going to waste a roster spot on a Jets tight end when most likely they'll be floating around, all three of them, floating around on the waiver wire for the first one to three weeks. Well, that's our show for today. To review, go get yourself running back Michael Carter because of the opportunity that presents itself in a run-heavy offense. He definitely will not be threatened by the other running backs on the Jets roster and is primed to break out at some point during the season. 
My favorite pick is rookie wide receiver Elijah Moore, a must-have and possibly this year's Justin Jefferson. Don't miss out on getting him in the ninth round, people. The ninth round. This is where your leagues are won, and Moore has the potential to be one of those guys. Again, he reminds me of a young Antonio Brown. If you're thinking about drafting Zach Wilson, stash him on his bench until he proves his worth. I think he has the potential to be this year's Justin Herbert, but again, that's just potential. We're not going to draft him and rely on him as a quarterback one until he also proves his worth. And something to keep a very close eye on is the tight end situation because of what we've seen from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur offenses. So even though the Jets will most likely finish toward the bottom of the league in the standings, there's a lot to be had with this Jets team. A lot of hidden gems that can really help you win your league, and that's exactly what you're looking for. Nobody wins their leagues with their first or second round picks. These right here are the guys that will get you over the hump. And I hope all of you take a serious look into all these players I just pointed out on this episode. Okay, well, we'll be back tomorrow diving further and further into the AFC East. And I may have on another special guest to help me break down all the other hidden gems in this conference. Hope everyone enjoyed the show today. Should be an exciting show tomorrow. And until then, take care of yourselves, and I'll talk to you later. 